Jane. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. That works. <laughs> well, it's uh, great to be here with you sharing uh, God's Word this morning. Uh, my daughter asked me what I was doing during the week, and I said I was preparing today's message. And then she goes, are you going to talk on pies? <laughs> I, I, I don't know why she would say that to me. Um, but, but if you know of a good bakery, um, I'm very happy to, to listen uh, get some directions. Well, uh, well, I'll see if I can tie it in. Today I'm going to be speaking actually on uh, the last Arise message. This is the last Arise message. The day when we will arise to meet Jesus in the sky. It may not be the last one preached, but it's the last Arise we will experience. Where we will ascend and meet Jesus as he comes back for his church. We've been arising all year, but one day we will finally arise. You know, we've entered the Christmas season. Uh, for many Christians around the world, it's a season of Advent. Uh, Advent uh, is all about looking forward, the coming of Christ. And often we do just associate that in remembering the birth of Christ. But when you look at what Advent stands for, it's not just about that he did come, but it's also the anticipation that he is coming again. Jesus is coming back. That is what we look forward to. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you, let's just not be in expectation or anticipation of Christmas Day as we remember the birth of Christ. Let's also be in expectation that as we remember why, or that Jesus did come, why he came, he came to come back for us in the future. This is our hope, the Christian hope. Tom Wright has a book called Surprised by Hope. And we all know uh, that what's in a pie is a surprise. Every pie I buy, I hope for a good surprise. Generally, it is. A couple, it's been a bit of a miss. Hope is part of our Christian story, the gospel. The gospel is a story of hope. Until the day of Christ's return, Paul writes, which I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 1 very soon, until the day of Christ's return, but what until the day of Christ's return? Philippians 1, verses 3 to 11. Every time I think of you, this is Paul writing, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray, for all, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may... 
be uh, live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this we bring much glory and praise to God. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that as I speak your word, Holy Spirit, you will speak into the hearts and lives of each person here as we glorify you and lift the name of Jesus. Amen. Here we have the introduction of the letter to Philippians. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Philippi is located in that uh, northeast region of Greece, just below Bulgaria. This is where he meets the, uh, the lady, Lydia, and she opens up her house to Paul and uh, becomes a great asset to the early Christian church. This is also the place where a slave girl in Acts 16 follows uh, Paul and Silas around declaring, These men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. It's a free promotion right there. Well, Paul eventually gets sick of this marketing campaign and casts the demon out of the girl. Well, the girl's masters weren't too happy about that, so they stir up the town, arrest Paul, beat him, it says, severely beat him, flogged him many times, him and Silas, and then put him in jail. So this is the church which Paul is writing to. And it's in this jail where he's been proclaiming the gospel, he's been beaten, he's, been, he's now bruised, he's hurting, there he is sitting, and it says here in verse 25 of that same story that around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Then Paul led the jailer to Christ. The jailer found hope. The prisoners were hearing hope. Here in the midst of despair, uncertainty, hate. Paul's proclaiming a message of love, joy, and hope at that time. This is where Paul is writing to, this location. And not only that, as he's writing this letter, he is writing while he is in jail himself. He is in chains right now, writing this message, which I'm about to talk to you, where he brings in a message of hope, to a church that abused, or the city that abused him, that hurt him, from a place where he is in chains and broken and not sure what is around that's taking place at this time or what his future may even hold. I believe it is a word for us today as a church, and I believe for some particularly here today. We are facing uncertain times. Particularly right now, just to mention, didn't think I'd get emotional saying this, but um, I am over it and I am good. But just this week, we had to make the decision that we won't be going to Queensland to be with my parents for Christmas. And so we're just like all up in the air going, oh, what, what are we doing? Like, you know, we, we've now changed our plans to not be with my parents and sister and her family. And I know many of you are in similar situations as well. We just don't know what's taking place. And then Paul writes this letter Reminding the Philippians of the love, the joy, and the hope, the hope in Jesus Christ. And he says twice in this opening prayer, in this opening prayer of the Philippians, he says twice, verse 6, until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And in verse 10, again, he talks about until the day of Christ's return. 
The first point I want to draw out in this message is about our hope. Our hope. The day of Christ's return is the Christian hope. This is our hope. Gordon Fee, a Bible scholar, one of my heroes, he comments on why did Paul include this language, the day of Christ Jesus, to the Philippians? And I believe what he says as to why for the Philippians is just as relevant for us as the church global and perhaps for some of us local here that some of them had began to lose the basic eschological orientation that marks the all truly Christian life. Now, eschological orientation just means hope. That some of them had began to lose the basic Christian hope that marks the Christian life. Eschatology is the theological term to talk about the end times, the last things. This is part of our message, but I believe as the church global and some of us have lost our expectation in the return of Christ. Saints, in Christ Jesus, he is coming back. Then on that day, I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. Then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and know that he reigns because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives or fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and that's why life is worth the living just because he lives. I want to quote from a, a 20th century professor of theology, Jürgen Moltmann. He uses the word eschatology. Remember, that's just the doctrine of hope, Christian end times. He says, eschatology means the doctrine of Christian hope, which embraces both the object hoped for, but also the hope inspired by it from the first to the last, and not a mere, not merely in the epilogue, not the final chapter. Christianity is eschatological, is hope, forward-looking, forward-moving, and therefore also revolutionizing and transforming the present. Our hope is Jesus and his return. We look forward in anticipation for when he comes back. He'll be riding on a white horse with fire in his eyes, crowned with many crowns, dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And out of his mouth will come a sharp sword. On his robe, on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me tell you, church, Jesus is coming back. Paul's hope is not just something he made up. It stands on the very words of Jesus. John 14, 2-3 says, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So you will always be with me where I am. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, verse 20, Jesus announces, Yes, I am coming soon. The angels who came and appeared to the disciples as Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1. They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? 
Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Paul believed in the resurrection and the return of Jesus Christ. That is our Christian message. Jesus is alive and he is coming back. He is coming back for his church. Further on in Philippians, in chapter 3, verse 20, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus lives. He's alive in heaven. That's where we belong. And we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return to our Savior. He says again in chapter 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. We know that passage. I say it again, rejoice. Then the next verse, let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember, remember the Lord is coming soon. Paul believed Jesus is coming back. Paul's hope wasn't a mere wish. His hope was built on a solid foundation, the words of Jesus Christ. I've been reading a new version of our Bible app. And it talks about our hope. Uh, the, the, the Bible app is called Hope Is. Sorry, the U version uh, Bible devotion is called Hope Is. And they say this about hope. There's a difference between having hope and having a wish. Wishing is an optimistic thought that doesn't require any action. Hope is about trusting. Wishing the store will have your favorite ice cream uh, flavor when you get there is just a thought. Hope is calling ahead, learning it is in stock, then trusting the manager to put it aside for you. Our hope is only as valuable as the person or thing in which we place it in. It's only as valuable in the person we place it in. Paul's hope, our hope is found in Jesus Christ and his promise. He will return. He who was and is, and is to come until the day of Jesus. Until the day of Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming back, church. He is coming back for his church, for his bride. The return of Jesus, our future, is our starting place. It impacts us right here, right now. Hope is here. It's not just something in the future. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow, for we know he holds the future. Jesus is alive and he is coming back. Let's reignite our Christian hope. Christ is coming back. As Paul said, until the return of Christ, until the day of Christ. We've already mentioned it's challenging times right now. But through it all, even though my Christmas holidays have been mucked up or changed, I still live in hope. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in a vaccine. My hope is not in COVID safe plans. My hope is in Jesus Christ, 
That's where my hope is. That's where Christians should have their hope. And I, I want to tell us as Christians, I, I don't care where you stand on the political situation with this. We need to be upfront in where we are to go, my hope is in Jesus. Let our hope shine. Be a light in our community. And let people ask us, why are you so hopeful? Because Jesus, Jesus is alive and he's coming back. Jesus is alive and he's coming back. This is our hope. Until the day of Christ Jesus. But what? What until the day of Christ? Verse 6 in Philippians chapter 1. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if God's work of salvation is at work in you, know that this, he will continue that. He will continue that until the day of Jesus Christ. God is the beginner and the finisher. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is the God we serve. You know, verse 6 is kind of like a motto to this letter and a motto for us as Christians that the God who began the good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The God who began the work in you will complete it. He will complete what he has started. This Paul's confidence is in Christ. It's not in our own work. It's not our work. It's his work in us. God is at work. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Because he never stops. He never stops working. Never stops. Friends, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And the Holy Spirit will continue to work, continue to work day by day, day by day, until the day of Jesus Christ. God's work is known as sanctification, the process of becoming holy. In a sense, to become like Christ, to become perfect like Christ. Paul writes later on in chapter 3, verse 12, I don't mean to say that you have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed, uh, possessed me, for me. Uh, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, uh, God through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Hope impacts the immediate. It impacts the way we live. It, it's, it's almost a little bit like, a, like an athlete, which Paul uses some of that similarity here in pressing on going, looking towards the prize. An athlete sees or hopes that one day they'll get to represent their team, their nation, their country and, and hold up a medal. And in doing that, in that expectation of that win or whatever they want to see at the end, they're training right now. 
They've changed their lifestyle. They're living in a certain way that will lead to a realization of that hope. Paul knows he's not perfect. He said in that passage here, he hasn't achieved that. He can't achieve that. It's only the work of Christ, which the Holy Spirit's doing in us. Our perfection is only available through the work of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done. Even though that's the case, he still calls the Philippians and many other Christians holy saints. He starts his letters to the saints, to God's holy people, to the saints, God's saints. He says this in Philippians and others. You are holy people. You are saints. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, I I believe there's someone here or, or a couple here. You've started the race. You've been running, walking, doing the journey. But something has hindered you. Something has taken place. It could have been a realization of something way back there or just something recent. And it's hindering your progress right now. It's, it's stumbled a bit of that, that hope within you. Well, Paul says here, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I want to say to you this morning, today's a new day. Forget the past. Forget the past. What has happened has happened, and Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, has broken any power that has over your life. And right now, our hope as we look forward is that you can be a new person in Jesus Christ. And in fact, as we read, he is doing that. He will continue to do that. Nothing you have done or do will stop God at work in your life if you continue to remain in him. He will continue to keep on making you working with you, sanctifying you until the day of Jesus Christ. Who you are is not dependent on what happened in the past. Who we are is who we're becoming in the future. James Smith, uh, one of my favorite authors, he's written a book, You Are What You Love. And uh, I I recommend it. I, I enjoyed this book. He says this, To be human is to be for something, directed toward something, orientated toward something. To be human is to be on the move, pursuing something after something. We are not just static containers for ideas. We are dynamic creatures directed towards some end. We have an end, and that end is Jesus Christ, and He is coming back. That's what it means to be human. That's where we are heading. That is the fullness of who we are, and it's available for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Our future, where we are going is where we belong, is who we are. 
Our hope is in the return of Jesus Christ and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit day by day. What if I stumble? Yeah, we will. But we just get back up again. We get back up again. It's not, it's not my work. It's God's work. It's God's work. God is at work in us. God will continue to work. He is the beginner and the finisher. Paul again reminds the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 20, but you are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. You are citizens of heaven. Aliens passing through this world. This isn't our home. Our home is heaven. And heaven's a real place that exists right now because Jesus is there. This is where Jesus is. This is where Jesus lives. He is alive. He is alive and he is there now. That is our home. That's our destination. That's where we're heading. He is alive. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The good work that God has started, each and every one of us, he will complete. He's transforming us day by day to be glorious like Jesus. How can we be sure of this? Well, one, Jesus said it. But two, Paul tells us in Corinthians 2, 5, verse 5, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Saints, if you have the Spirit in you, you have a deposit within you, guaranteeing what is to come. There's our confidence. Yes, Jesus said it, but also... The Spirit is in us as a guarantee, as a guarantee. This is our hope. This is our future. The Spirit is transforming us and is in us, taking us towards that goal, being transformed each and every way. God started it, and He will finish it. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's the beginner and the finisher, the Alpha and Omega. Verse 9 and 10, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ Jesus. So that you may live pure and blameless lives. That we may live now. Live now. How will we live pure and blameless? We'll live with love. Love that will grow, will overflow more and more. That's how we will 
be pure and blameless now by allowing God's love in us. God's love. It's God's love at work in us. He can do this. He is able. At times I'm not. You just ask those close to me. (laughs) It's only through God that I can love others. That you would keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. You know, this knowledge here, that they're talking about, it's not the knowledge for the sake of, uh, you know, oh, look at my high IQ, look, I'm all puffed up, how much do I know? This knowledge is rather about knowing about, but knowing of, knowing who. It's like we can, we can say we know these famous people that are celebrities, we can say we know about them, but we know each other. We know our family. We know our friends. We know of those celebrities. Well, this is, this is what Paul is referring to. It's this intimate aspect of knowing. We only get to do that by being with one another, with God and with each other, and understanding. This understanding in, in the context of uh, the Scripture in was used actually, I think the only time in, in the Bible this word is used elsewhere in the Greek in regards to ethical behavior. It had a practical conduct aspect to it. So this understanding was to have discernment in how we lived. And what Paul is kind of saying here is kind of putting a bit of a boundaries in relation to love. You know, if, if all you need is love, it can lead to all different things that could be abusive and selfish. But love needs to have knowledge, knowledge of God, knowing God, not just about God, knowing God and love and knowing of each other. These boundaries and with discernment, with a practical outworking on how we do stuff is what Paul is saying we need to have in our lives, which demonstrates a life that is pure and blameless. And again, it's not the works that, you and I do, it's God's work in us. God is at work in us. He will do it. He will complete it. Until the day of Christ's return. This is our hope. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his bride. You know, often... Often when the world thinks about the end, we uh, get these movies, apocalyptic movies, where everything is going wrong. Everything's going bad. And so much is kind of infiltrating that right now as we're facing for the last two years now, this uh, virus. It's all, what's it going to be like? How's it going to be? What's going to happen to those who have had the vaccine? All this discussion and thought has been heightened. But it's not just a new thought. In Revelation, yeah, there's these big images going on. There's wars. There's battles. But for those who are faithful, it is a good story. It ends. It ends with those who trust in Jesus, those who are saints, those who are followers of Christ being drawn into and coming in to being in the presence of God Almighty. That's our hope. That's our future. 
That's the Christian story. Would the musos like to come up, please? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his church. This is the essence of our faith. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and he's coming back to take, to claim, to be with his church. This is our hope. The purpose Jesus came as a baby, I want to say, was to come back for his church. To come back for his church. Are you ready for the return of the Lord? Are you living in the hope of Jesus Christ's return? And until the day of Christ, know that he who began the good work in you will finish it. He who began the good work in you will finish it. Because he lives, I, you, can face tomorrow. He holds the future. He holds the future. I've asked the musos to to sing this song as we finish. We've got some time. I'm finishing early. But I'm not saying we're finished here yet. I feel there are some people here who have lost some hope. Maybe you started well and something happened. Whether it's the, the situation right here, right now. Your Christmas plans are now being thrown in the chaos. Or other situations other circumstances. Maybe it's something in the past that keeps coming back to haunt you. Well, as Paul said, forget, forget that. Christ died on the cross to allow those things to be forgotten, to have no more bondage, to have no more power over your life. You are free from that. And the hope is that God who started the work, God who started the work will finish it. If you've lost some hope this morning, I want to encourage you. Why don't you just come down the front? And I, some of our leaders would love just to stand with you and allow the Holy Spirit to reignite, to impart some of that hope that we read in Scripture that Paul was telling us about, that God, who began the good work in you, will complete it until, until the day of Christ Jesus, while we all stand together as we sing.